0: A knee-buckling start to the national signing day, early signing period for Ohio State. These are Snap Judgments. They are brought to you by Buyers Auto. That's Jeremy Birmingham, not on his phone. That's Bill Landis. And I'm Austin (laughs) Ward. We're off to a flying start on Snap Judgments. Uh, Ohio State, a mostly good to very good day for the Buckeyes. Where do you put it in that scale?
1: I mean... You had three things that you were worried about coming into the day. You hit 67% of those things. The one thing that didn't go your way, Jeremiah McClellan flipping to Oregon, signing with Oregon, like on the hierarchy of what was the most important, that would have been third on the list. And so like you signed or not yet. Here we sit at 152, Jeremiah Smith's letter of intent is not in yet why I don't know I guess fax machines work differently in South Florida who knows you can just they take tend pic- to you can just take a picture of it with your phone and send it so can um, you I wonder that yeah, yeah um and then Ezra Houston is in and so that's pretty big you, know, you get the number one player in the country you get uh, a five-star defensive end who you have put a lot of time and resources into over the last couple of years out of one of the powerhouse programs in the Atlanta area at Buford so there's like the extended value of that um and, and everyone else signed without incident. And, you know, it's funny. You have 21 kids coming into the day that you're counting on. 18 of them are signed immediately. And, like, that should be something to be positive about. But yet, you know, everyone here waits on, on pins and needles to hear the final answers from Jeremiah Smith and Edric Houston. And we started Ryan Day's press conference at, like, 1210. And Jeremiah Smith was sitting in his gymnasium <laughs> in, at Chaminade Madonna High School. What, Wait, say it again. Shamanad Madonna. Shamanama. Chamin- shamanama, <laughs> waiting for his opportunity to go and, and announce his decision. And so like you could see the face of Ryan Day when he walked in, like it looked sullen. It, it was um
0: there was none of the rosy cheeked hue. Yeah, there of was a the
1: rosy hue hue. It, it, no, it he was mad. pale.
0: He yeah. was he was pretty pale from where I was yeah, sitting so, in the front. But maybe maybe I had a bad vantage point.
1: It's cool for us. I mean we don't even those of us who have been around recruiting and in it for a long time you don't often get to see like that moment when it happens so kind of cool that yeah. to thank see. god it was a person yeah i mean it would have been really grainy on a zoom call uh, <laughs> I, I would have felt wouldn't tra- have
0: seen his knees buckle wouldn't have seen him grab the podium like those are pretty cool yeah, moments. i would have felt
1: bad for his wife and children if he was in new hampshire like with them today i mean i know he wants to see him but i i imagine like he would have been pretty much a bear to be around all morning right like it wouldn't have been fun hey dad you want to go build a snowman no i can't gotta watch tv you know like so i guess you know it's good we get to watch tv (laughs) i gotta watch the tv to see what the teens are doing you know like it's cool we got to see that in in person so um finishes being a pretty good day for ohio state and there's still questions people are going to have and 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 i tried to get like where do you go from here because he said we didn't get the whole wish list but like then what's on the wish list well, the answer is the wish list will change depending on yeah. the other lists.
0: It, it, uh, we'll get to that stuff with uh, current roster, NFL decisions, coaching staff. We'll, we'll get into all that on the podcast daily for Thursday. Want to keep the focus on recruiting and guys that are in the class for Ohio State today on Snap Judgments as much as we can. But all these things are interconnected, so you know that. Um, it, outside of, I guess, now Byrne probably needing to add another wide receiver, um, Which what I you don't could, think they do, really. You could do that through the portal if you yeah. want to, or, or not at all. I, I
1: mean, mean, again, that depends on if, if Emeka Buka returns and you have right. Jaden Ballard returning, you have Kojo Antwi and Keon Grays returning, you have the four wide outs in the class of 2023 all coming back, you have the two that you signed to, five stars in 2024. You don't need it. Uh, the loss of Jeremiah McClellan is plus a… Plus Damari Witten who… Plus Damari you Whitten, know, Witten who, I mean, I was told on Tuesday night when the conversation about Jeremiah McClellan flipping to Oregon really began to solidify that Ohio State believes that there's a chance that DeMarion Witten not only starts his career playing in like a, a big slot tight end wide receiver role, but because he, he doesn't really have the frame to add those 40 pounds that you think a tight end needs to, uh, that he may end up staying there. And I'm going to tell you what, like DeMarion Witten gets overlooked because he's at Glenville and he was sort of positionless. Like Ohio State thinks this kid is a superstar in the making. So you might've, it might be one of those unanswered prayers where you're like, oh, that's a, it's a blessing in disguise because the, the, there are few guys in this class. I mean, obviously we can talk about Jeremiah Smith and the, the generational label that gets attached, but there are a few guys who I've heard more coaches glow about than demarion Wit.
0: Bill, what would you make of uh, the class at this point?
2: Yeah, I think, I think it's good. Um, I, when Ryan Day walked in, when Ryan Day walked in, as we're all like staring at our phones waiting for Jeremiah Smith to make his announcement known, uh, I was like, "Oh boy, this is this is not going to go well." Because we had already thought at that point too that Edric Houston was tra- uh, trending, excuse me, toward Alabama. We're not expecting good news on on Amaris Williams, who, who did flip from Florida to Auburn. It was like, "This is they got their 18, but are they going to like miss on the three that we've we've been?" waiting for, and and obviously it turned out not to be the case. So I think it went from a potential disaster to, to a, a very good day for Ohio State, like a day worth celebrating when you hold on to the, the best player in the country, when you hold on to one of the best defensive linemen in the country, when you're You know, competitive. I think on the NIL front, which is what people want to see from Ohio State, as they're trying to piece together their roster, and and, and I think they were in in both of those cases with Jeremiah Smith and Ezra Houston to make sure they they secured those. Um, I I think it's great. There's still work to be done, like Berm said, but when I, I think you take a The class in in total, they did address a lot of needs with with this group. And I think there's a lot of players to be really excited about. But, you know, starting with the two guys at the top that they kept today.
1: Yeah, you kept your two best players. And and this is a results oriented business. People are going to see the recent losses of Jordan Lyle to Miami and the Jeremiah McClellan flip and the Justin Scott. But, like, all of those parts are pretty interchangeable. And I know you look at a five star defensive tackle like Justin Scott and say, well, how do you interchange that guy? Well, you. You get a fourth year from Tyler Williams, and that is better. Gives you a little runway to make you up know, for it. Yeah. Now, the question, obviously, for Ohio State, and we'll talk about it on Thursday, is like, is all that going to happen? Mm-hmm. And uh, if that doesn't happen, but that's why Ohio State's already had Derek Harmon, the Michigan State transfer in here, because you, you have to be somewhat proactive. But the group in general, you get another five star quarterback in there, Nolan, who doesn't get talked about enough probably because I don't I don't know why. He played in super high level of competition in Georgia, a big time winner. Like he's a he's a CJ Stroud type of quarterback, the ball placement guy, the more He's got a- some BPS, more he sure does, more yeah. athletic than you think because he doesn't play in an offense that asks him to run a lot. But when he does, you can see he's he's got some natural like f- movement skills. And, and I, I was talking about it with Bo Bishop on 971 The Fan on the way in today. The difference between CJ coming out of high school was he was rising up and, and people didn't really know what he was, but like Ohio State had a pretty good idea. Air is a known commodity, but he's also coming into a situation where there isn't a Justin Fields there to guarantee so like there's I'm not I'm not saying that Air Nolan is going to be Ohio State's starting quarterback, but I think it is folly to to just remove the possibility. The door is as open it's as, as it has as ever as it's been. been.
0: Yeah, yeah. Day did try and, and pump the brakes just on that point a little bit that he's still going to be a true freshman. He's still not taking a snap here. And I'm not trying to throw any wet blankets on anybody You're thinking that that could be a possibility. But the, the first guy at the head of that line is Devin Brown right now, who, again, we can talk about all that on Thursday. But he did say there's going to be a lot to learn, and you can't – you can only take so much projection from high school and there's a ton of it a lot of production uh, a lot of time that they've spent evaluating him and maybe part of this berm with against high level high level competition right? that you know it, it's still hard for anybody to go and do that right away okay. it was hard for cj it was hard for justin fields it was hard for Dwayne haskins it was hard for joe burrow it's, it's hard for any true freshman quarterback to make that that's not to try and diminish anything on national signing day or take any shine away from here no one but some of that that conversation about the quarterback specifically is probably tied into what Ryan Day has in the rest of that room that he he he's not gonna stand up there and say, Ah, well here comes air. Yeah. This is the huge deal. He's got we got the best one in the country coming in. But the other part maybe where he doesn't get that attention is because of the spotlight on the other guys and because he did after the Dylan Rayola decommitment, there was like no doubt. Ohio State seemed to shift all the chips directly to Air Nolan. They got the commitment and there was no I mean you tell me, I don't think there was a single point where you seem to express any concern that Aaron Nolan was wavering, that he wasn't going to be committed to Ryan Day in Ohio State, and once you shut down any of the outside intrigue, well, then people move on to the other stuff.
1: Well, he's a smart kid and playing quarterback for Ryan Day in Ohio State has been a lottery ticket the last few years, and somebody else had the lottery ticket and dropped it on the ground, and he's like, oh, cool, I'll pick it up, and <laughs> why? You're not going to drop it at that point, and, and you know, I think that what, we didn't really get into a lot of the minutia of the class like dynamic today because of all the other questions that are being asked, but Aaron Noland was as integral integral in the signing of Jeremiah Smith or the eventual signing of Jeremiah Smith, if that happens by the time this is online, (laughs) um, as anyone else in this class, like the the bond that those two had, Jeremiah Smith wanted to play with Aaron Noland and wanted him as his quarterback. And if you look at the debate that Jeremiah Smith had to have in the last few days between Miami and Florida State and Ohio State, like the quarterback situation is probably one of the deciding factors other than Brian Hartline like where you look at it and go uh, I'm more comfortable in that room than I am who's Miami's quarterback I don't know like that I actually don't know <laughs> right like, they don't have I know Cam who's Ward, not, I know who's not there yeah. All right so you you go into that and, and that that's a big part of this puzzle and recruiting isn't what it used to be you don't have the guys building like a super tight-knit class because Nil has made people competitors almost in certain ways and um, everyone's too cool to talk to each other and that sort of stuff now but like Th- those few relationships those few bonds that were formed bryce west and aaron scott the Aaron noland and jeremiah smith like those things carry a big weight uh the ian moore with the armstrong twins and then you know those guys going after gabe van sickle like the, it, that's a, that's a big difference we didn't again we didn't talk about the class dynamic today and i wish we would have a little bit more because i think the armstrong twins who get overlooked because they're from ohio and maybe they're not five star tackles and guards but like those guys were hugely important in this class and it's going to be a top five class in a world where people sit back and go oh damn it this class stinks and like it's not it's a top four it's class number like
2: three right now isn't it? so yeah. it's going to
1: finish that way so yep. like that it's pretty good last year's class finished in the top you know is number five in the country and a lot of the same objections because you look at individual things like do we get enough defensive line the answer to that is clearly no now What's interesting is that there's some scuttlebutt today about Ohio State and Dominic Kirks from uh, Villa St. Joseph's, Villa Angelo St. Joe's up in Cleveland, uh, Washington commit who has not signed yet, that maybe Ohio State is getting involved and asking him to delay a little bit, let them reevaluate where they're at. Um, maybe, that, maybe he signs tomorrow or Friday. Maybe he waits until the February period. But there's at least an acknowledgment, despite what was said at the podium, like, oh, we're fine, we're okay. Like, the actions speak clearly different because they were still chasing Amaris Williams today. Now you have the Dominic Kirk's conversation. So there's at least, like, an Mm. acknowledgement that there's parts that need to fill.
2: So I tried to ask about that. And I I guess before I ask you this question, I want to say, like, great job keeping Edric Houston. Like, they only have two, but the two they have I think are pretty good, and Edric Houston is one of the best in the country. So, like, I want to give credit where it's due for that. Um, Why don't they recruit? Guys like Kirks. And the way that I opposed it to the Ryan Day was you, you recruit a lot of, and developmental is probably the wrong word, but I think people know what I mean when I say that, offensive linemen in the Midwest and in Ohio, and they just don't really do that in, for, for defensive linemen. And I, and I don't know why that's the case. What, do you have a theory on that?
1: I, I, the theory is that there are traits that you look for in these guys. And offensive linemen, those traits are different. Those traits are he's big, he can move. He doesn't need to be explosive. He doesn't need to be long. You know, like there, there, you you want those things certainly in an offensive lineman. You want a guy who's you know got an eighty-four inch wingspan mm-hmm. at, at tackle, but you can work around it if it's not there. You can look at a guy like Luke Montgomery and go, he's athletic enough to be be able to put here. If you are looking at a six foot five, two hundred and thirty pound defensive end like Dominic Kirk's, who seems to lack a little bit of explosion, that, that you're playing in the bad part of cleveland football right yeah if you're not dominating on your tape and you have injury issues and you're like eh, i don't know like th- especially when you combine that with the fact that there's no explosive trait there's no like four four speed there's no zach harrison like athleticism there's no jack sawyer size there's no uh jt tumelo i will get off like you're missing some of those parts but to your point like you still have to fill the roster and yeah I- I- that's that is the the question I think people should have. But if you look at the rest of the recruiting class, Brian Hartline's room, um, Tim Walton's room, it's not like there were a lot of backup options for those guys either. This is Ohio State. They think they're going to sign the players they recruit. And they don't waste a lot of time and energy just building relationships with guys that they're not interested in. And, and they believe, I think, ultimately, hey, we're going to get to signing day and we're going to win. Um, and then if you don't, you're better off finding a third-year college defensive end in the transfer portal. Like, uh, Let's let's do a hypothetical while we're here. Was asked about it on the live chat at uh, Ryan Day's press conference. Would Ohio State go after Corey Foreman from USC, right? Corey Foreman was the number one ranked defensive lineman in the country coming out of high school in the class of 2021, ahead of Jack Sawyer and ahead of JT Tumorua. He went into college as a six foot five, 255 pound defensive end and US- USC ruined him and had him lose 30 pounds and play linebacker where he couldn't play. Are you better off recruiting Dominic Kirks or saying to a guy like Corey Foreman, hey, we think you can still be that elite defensive end that you were. You have the traits. Where where Where's a better investment?
0: I don't know. The closest parallel to that, in my mind, at least recently for Ohio State, would be going back to the Taiwan Malone recruitment. And that didn't happen and pay immediate dividends in one year either. Maybe Maybe that's what they expected, that it wasn't going to be you immediately go back into it. Maybe that wouldn't be the case for Foreman, or it would be the well, case. It might I don't be, know
1: because you're taking a kid playing, a, a moving him into another position with Tywan Malone. He's playing another sport. Like you, you do have obstacles you know, to overcome.
0: I, I know. I'm just trying to think of a parallel to help inform the answer because I don't know what it yeah. is. I mean, it's but I, those I, are
1: the debates they have to have. Like, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Not to say that they're definitely looking at Corey Foreman. It's just a strictly hypothetical. But those are the conversations that these guys are getting paid a lot of money to sort out and. I don't know if you watch Dominic Kirk's tape. Like, I see a big, lanky, rangy defensive end prospect who you think can be good. But, again, he's had injury issues, and he doesn't have the explosion you want or the dominance on tape that you want from a high school kid in Villa St. Joseph's, whatever. Villa and (laughs) Villa St. Joseph's. Yeah, that place. David Lighty's high school. That's Uh, right. Like, so so I can understand. (laughs) He renamed it that. I can understand (laughs) the reluctance from Ohio State to go down that path, but then you look at the fact that there's – you know, you've got four top 250 ranked defensive linemen in the state of Ohio, and you don't go after any of them.
2: Yeah, that's it's that's not, that's
1: a fair it's, question. It's
2: not merely a Kirk's conversation for me. It's just like that that guy, what
1: change his name to whatever you want to change well, right, it to. Right. There's the Brian Robinson. There's yeah, the Ted, the, Ted Hammonds who com- signed with Michigan. Like there's, yeah, conversations.
2: I, I just and it's not like I'm not I'm not advocating for Ohio State taking players that they just believe won't ever play here because I think they've done that a little too much on the offensive line, uh, as as I said the other day. But I, I do think maybe they can be a little more discerning in how they go about recruiting the Midwest for, for defensive linemen, because you I think you want to, as much as you can for Ohio State, like bring in a couple of guys every cycle who aren't going to be um, disenchanted by not having immediate playing time and might be willing to stick around for a couple of years and develop with a guy like Larry Johnson and learn the defense. And maybe it's a three- or four-year proposition, but as you go through that, your room, I think, is just healthier. And, and then you avoid a day like today where it's like they signed two good defensive linemen, but you're still like, eh, I think they need more. Like I, I just yeah, and think and there's a way to supplement
1: it. Ryan Day told you like it's a year-to-year proposition. Like You don't know anymore. So like you, to your point, why would you be not more willing to be like, hey, this is a four-year guy, and he's going to develop. He's yeah. close to home. Doesn't require much in the NAL department. Like, that is the type of player that I think – you know, we talked at, at length on Tuesday about the NFL feel of things now. Like, that's a scout team guy who, like, can develop into a potential player down the road. And if you believe in your ability to develop talent, then sometimes you need to take that guy.
0: I think the only reason that we're having this conversation, I mean, A, it's because there's two guys in that class. When you said, you know, the approach is probably the same. Uh, the, the net is cats just as wide for Tim Walton and, you know, other Tony Alford, whoever. uh They generally connect on those more. They're not winding up in a situation where all five guys that they recruit. Let's just use that number out of you know out of thin air. Well, now we have too many good players. Like that hasn't happened. They're locking in guys, and there wasn't a lot of uh, jeopardy. It seemed like with Bryce West and Aaron Scott down the stretch, like they weren't sweating it. But they so they didn't probably ever feel the need to shift into a backup plan. And the Ohio State defensive line class was like, these eggs are in this basket and everything has to happen and there's nothing else. And that's the front. Just looking at it from the outside, I can see why that is frustrating.
1: Because those answers were known in August. That's the frustration. The Edric Houston near flip to Alabama today, notwithstanding, like all the other guys you were chasing at that position, the Dylan Stewart's, the Marquise Lightfoot's, the Booker Pickert, who Ohio State really didn't think could develop into the defensive end that they wanted. All those guys were off the board months ago. So there's been plenty of time to evaluate and find someone else. So the, the question is, did they explore all options and decided no one's good enough? Or did they say, we're fine with what we have? Because that, I think, is the, is the actual crux of, of the argument. Like, you couldn't have known in September that there was a real chance for JT 2 and Tyler Williams and Jack Sherry sure. and Michael Hall to come back. Yep. That being the case, like, there should have been a backfill in this class and there isn't now maybe it works out in the long run because those guys all come back and it's a moot point anyway but like it is a recurring issue in that group when you know Uh, Eric Mensa kind of was that right uh, he he signed in, you know he committed in September but he was offered in August yeah uh, and that was because they wanted another defensive tackle thinking that they were going to lose Tyreek Williams and and Michael Hall so uh, you know if they didn't move on him then what do you got yeah you know that's the but you look at running back, Tony Alford makes the decision in April to pick Jordan Lyle, knowing full well what happened with Mark Fletcher a year ago, mm-hmm. and then runs into the same problem. Now, he was fortunate that he had Sam Williams Dixon close to home, and James Peoples also in the class. And so maybe the third guy was a luxury all along, but there was no other option there either. So, And that's a guy who, in the last four years, has had a pretty hit-and-miss um, time on the recruiting show. Sure. yeah. His philosophy is very similar to Larry Johnson's. It's all about that personal relationship. I, You are now my son, and I am mm-hmm. going to be your father figure. And in a world where that means less and less, like it, it is hard to see those guys adjusting fast enough.
2: I thought they did do a good job with some positions of, of uh, having secondary options, I guess. That's probably not the right way to describe them, but like, Getting Leroy Roker at safety. Contingency contingency plan. Like getting Leroy Roker at at safety I thought was like a really nice pivot because he's an under-the-radar guy but like is oozing with athletic traits that I think get you really excited. And he like gave Van Sickle – I think long term, yeah. my opinion, wound up being like an upgrade over Mark Knave if right. you consider him the replacement right. for Nave, Nave in that class. So it's not like
1: it's not even long term, it's short term. Short term, he's, he's a, a better
2: he's a better prospect too, yeah. So it's not like I, th- I think maybe like the last couple of cycles, there were multiple positions where we thought, like, man, they put their all their eggs in one basket, didn't yeah. hit on them, and then they were kind of screwed. Um, that maybe did happen a little bit on the offensive line this year, but I think some other spots mm-hmm. where that could have happened, they did a nice job of of covering themselves.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at linebacker, you signed two that you really, really love in Garrett Silver and Peyton Pierce. You swung all the way through for uh, Kingston-Viamuasa. He called the Ohio State staff on Tuesday night and said, I love you, but I, I'm sticking with Notre Dame. We'll see you next year. See you next year. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's that sucks. But Ohio State also went out of their way in September to bring in Nigel Glover to alleviate that because, again, they knew. In response, they, yeah. They, that was a response to Kingston-Viamuasa not picking Ohio State in the summer. So, like, you see the willingness to pivot in other spots. Yeah. and. Uh, sometimes i think there are there's still a few guys on the staff who are a little stubborn in their way and when ryan days asked to evaluate how do you how do you judge your staff and he talks recruiting first it, it's hard not to notice that there's like 40 percent of the staff that doesn't recruit that's that's <coughs> a, that's a you know that all that to say like you're still finishing with the top three class in the country so like Imagine how much better it can be if that focus is directed in, in the right spot.
0: I think that's that's been my primary point for the entire month of December is maximizing opportunities there in front of you. They can be in any nature of the program, but Ohio State should not have parts of their staff that you have to question at all. We'll get into more of that on Thursday on the Podcast Daily. Burm is also going to get a lot deeper into the weeds on what this uh, recruiting class looks like uh, with some talking stuff later on. With... Well, I'll
1: be live. We're thinking like 8 o'clock. i got to drive back home. So
0: live version of talking stuff so you can look forward to that there'll be even more recruiting talk that's coming later on the podcast but as we wrap up snap judgments brought to you by buyers auto Uh, i'll start with you bill because i know berm will have probably way more to say about it yeah this signing class and the way that the beginning of the early signing period began for ohio state means what for ryan day for nil when we were in here on this day last year the entire second half of the show was Money money money, yeah, philosophy, 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 approach, aggressiveness. What is it what does it say to you, the way it worked out today? I think they're in a better spot
2: with everything now than they were a year ago, right? I don't, I don't think there was an NIL question asked of, of Ryan Day, and I didn't really feel. I mean, Berm was asking sort of generally about, like, the direction this is all going, which is a worthwhile question, but, like, specifically, like, do you have enough money, which is <laughs> <Just>, like some <laughs> of the questions that were asked last year, um, was not asked this year. And, and certainly you can always have more. I don't know that you'll ever have enough, but I think Ohio State is certainly more competitive in that space, and, and they need it to be. And I think, generally, they did a nice job of, of addressing some needs with, with this class. So, I don't know. I, I would feel pretty good about it. We have, we have to wait and see. There's a lot of dominoes to fall here with exactly what this roster's going to look like and... and one of the last things Ryan Day said was the goal is to have the best roster in the country by August, and there's a lot of different avenues for Ohio State to get there, including guys who are already on the roster. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sticking around. It's not merely the recruiting class, but I think in terms of doing their part with the high school recruits in the effort toward getting the best roster in the country um, for, for next fall, I think they did a pretty good job. Like, Did they bat a 1,000? No. Does anybody? No, not really. But it, it certainly could have been far worse, I think, um, with some of the way things were trending as we walked into the room we talked to talk with Ryan Day, and I think we came out of that room feeling a little better about things.
1: It's hard to grade a top three class anything other than an A. Yeah. Um, but because the standard is so high at Ohio State, people are going to find ways to to say, hey, maybe this could have been better. Maybe we could have improved here. The, the advancement in NIL from a year ago to now is huge, but the Buckeyes are not in that conversation on a recruit-by-recruit basis that oregon is and that's probably never going to happen right i mean like you have to be fair about it like nike has unlimited money and so unless you find people who are phil knight-esque for that grow up and want to root for ohio state and and have shoes that are ohio state colors and all the things that phil knight does when he shows up at nike at oregon's campus sorry and it's like, hey, do you want to be on a Nike? I don't thing? think that was Was that on Do you, was that want to, do you want to be on a Nike commercial? Did you, you like, script that? Those are things that like. I you, do have a
2: question about that I don't want to derail the conversation. But like Ohio State's a Nike school. Yeah. yeah. Ohio State athletes have it's Nike
1: contracts. Phil Knight <laughs> is
0: very much invested in Ohio State. I don't I don't He's, truly buy that. He makes that for, money
1: off Ohio State. He spends money on Oregon.
0: I, They spend a, a pretty big amount keeping Ohio State happy. Now, he's not potentially... He's
1: not showing up on Ohio State's campus and saying, you know what, you should come to this school.
0: I understand that yeah. point. But I don't, I don't think the Ohio State versus Oregon argument. And I know that they just... And I'm saying that after they just lost a head-to-head battle. I don't think that it, that's as big of an issue for Ohio State specifically over the long haul that Phil Knight is at Oregon. Right. I just... I, I don't.
1: I, I, well, Plus, maybe. he's like 90. So yeah, but you know. he's going to die eventually. <laughs> but maybe. someone else will rise in his place. He's probably got a close. He's, he's, he's got a. He's got a money. hologram. Uh, but you know, Ohio State wants to be elite, and that will happen. Uh, and it it's frustrating to people because it takes a little longer than you'd want it to at a place like this. But I I, I know people will be mad when I say it. But like Ryan Day wants to win football games. Like the idea that he is in somehow in some way like not personally motivated enough is wrong. He wants to win games. He wants to be elite. And the Buckeyes will find a way to do it. Now, they would love to have some help from the NCAA creating some rules or the Congress creating a rule to make things easier. But if that doesn't happen, like what we saw in the last 18 hours is a very good sign for what Ohio State's willing to do in the future.
0: Yep. You could see a couple opportunities there for Ryan Day to take some deep breaths and compose himself. Ohio State. Got through it, uh, not perfectly, but pretty close to it as they start the early signing period. National Signing Day press conference and all of that are wrap for the Buckeyes. Appreciate you joining us for some Snap Judgments. They are brought to you by Buyers Auto. That's Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham. I'm Austin Ward. We'll talk to you later.